Hello, and welcome to Shared Space, a podcast about loneliness, social connection, and the surprising role of design and our built environments. I'm your host, Erin Peavy, and I'm so happy to have you with us today. Have you ever walked into an office, maybe your office, and seen a sea of cubicles and thought, where else can I work? How can I find some sort of nook to be able to talk with a close colleague or have a private conversation or gather with a big group and not worry about making noise in a brainstorming session. That is about choice. It's about being able to choose the level of social engagement that you want and having a space that helps to support that. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you understand not only that loneliness and social isolation and social disconnection are major issues to our health and to our well-being, but also that the built environment or the spaces that are around us can have a huge impact on how we're able to connect with one another and feel connected to one another. And in this episode, we're going to be diving into choice, but choice is just one of the six factors that I identified in a scientific review of the literature. And if you're interested in this topic overall, I will be putting the link to the report in the show notes. And I really recommend going back and listening to the very first episodes of this podcast that really lay out an understanding of why loneliness and social isolation are so detrimental to our health, but also how possible it is to turn that around by leaning into social connection. And it also outlines how the built environment throughout centuries has been linked to the ways that we connect and has been demonstrated as a social determinant of health. So I really hope you enjoy this episode digging in to the role of choice, how we design for choice, and how it impacts how we connect with one another, and the examples that I share of what this can look like when done well. When we think about choice, we think about places that can provide variety, flexibility, choices on how people use the space to foster their sort of sense of personal control and support the regular use of a wide range of activities to suit people's varying needs and moods. So for instance, providing people the freedom to choose how to engage. Do you want to play? Do you want to relax? Do you need to get head down focus? And where do you want to be located? You know, you oftentimes think about, do you want booth seating or are you really looking for more of a communal table or for a way to bring together a larger group or get to know some other people? So this is about facilitating what we call person environment fit or the ability for a person to choose or change their environment to fit your needs and your preferences and your sense of comfort because we all know that nothing's more uncomfortable than feeling out of control, at least for uh, for a lot of us out there. Um, so the dynamic and changing needs of comfortable spatial proximities, so really just how, how close we are or, or how close we're comfortable to being with one another. 
So for instance, uh, that strangers versus acquaintances or friends is really the basis of what we call proxemics. And that's the study of personal space and how it helps to inform different types of seating options. I think um, right now in COVID, we're all experiencing a whole new type of proxemics and maybe experiencing um, this in a whole new way. So, all right, third places should support a wide range of uses and options for gathering, either gathering with people or for finding some sort of privacy or ability to connect one-on-one. And there should be flexibility to fit a spectrum of needs and abilities. Spaces that support older adults, new moms, children, all of that's really important. I mean, it's important to have different types of flexibility around that. In workspaces, uh, this means balancing privacy and collaboration. So uh, this is a concept that we often refer to as we, me, us. So this is allowing people to control where they sit and how they engage with others based on formality and informality of the situation. So I want to share with you guys uh, an example from practice, because I think that that always helps to embed this in our minds for what this can look like. And one of my absolute favorite examples has been the Maggie's Centers. So um, as a person that's been passionate about healthcare design for a long time um, and also has family members that have cancer Really, um, Maggie centers have been these special places that are all over the United Kingdom. And really, they were first started by Charles Jenkins, who's a famous architect, and his wife had cancer. And the national health system in the UK has very large health facilities. But until recently, they haven't really focused on being patient-centered because they have a different business model than we do in a lot of ways. And so... What Charles noticed was that he and his wife wanted a place to to go, to be together with other cancer patients and their families, and a place that feels like a second home in a lot of ways. And um, these Maggie centers are places where you can find education, camaraderie, a sense of belonging. And these centers allow people to relax on the couch with a book and spontaneously socialize with friends and fellow cancer survivors that become friends, and also to attend formal support group meetings or other types of things like that. And these spaces provide such comfort and warmth thanks to the combination of both the physical environment um, and sort of the way that they have these sort of subspaces within the little home that is provided um, or the center that's provided. Um, but it's also because they have great programming in the different spaces throughout the day and throughout you know the year. And so consistently you have this choice of whether or not you want to be by yourself, whether you want to be with maybe one other friend or in a larger group. And these Maggie Centers really serve as a very cool example of how architecture can look a million different ways, but still have these same principles, right? I think that what's important is how the facilities use these principles to support social interaction, to support that sense of belonging and social connection that people can have with one another. So I really suggest that you guys check out um, Maggie's Centers, and I'll put a link in the show note. 
I would love to hear from you. What are examples of places that you've been that you think provide great different options and choices? Um, So please reach out to me. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you'll share it with your friends and like, subscribe, and comment on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. It really means a lot to us and helps to get the word out and to spread the message. And I hope that you'll check me out on my website, erinpv.com, to learn more about social health and the role of the spaces around us to shape how we heal, live, play, and work. And I hope that you all have a beautiful rest of your day and that it's filled with honest emotion, kindness, and real talk. So take care. Have a great day. Bye, guys.